speak to you in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Friends, there's just so much going on in our society these days. Personally, I'm really finding it a challenge to just keep up with it all. You know, I heard two things this week that just stuck out above the fray, though. The first was a statement about how things were better in our nation's past because families were united and cared for each other, even though we had slavery. I have to admit that stopped me in my tracks. Generations of people in brutal bondage, and we should hearken back to those days. And the second was that even though this individual pursued inappropriate and illegal relationships with minors, the fact that he would vote in a particular way is the important thing when considering whether he is fit to be a leader in our country and society. Wow. That's where we are now. That's been normalized. So I must admit that maybe a little anger bubbled up, but so did despair. Despair for those who were directly traumatized by such statements, but also for what it says about our country right now in this place. And so it's in that space that we go back to the beginning of the Gospel of Mark. Now, between Mother Suzanne's sermon last week and Ron Allen's presentation, it feels like we have the background for the context of the gospel. So we know that Mark is starting his narrative of the story of Jesus, the Son of God, who's an apocalyptic prophet, who's here to usher in the realm or the reign of God. And so Mark starts by putting together portions of Exodus, Malachi, and of course, Isaiah to introduce us to John the baptizer, calls us to repentance and to prepare the way for the long-awaited coming of the realm of God. This beginning starts with an understanding of the past. And so the reference to second Isaiah is very purposeful to set up what Jesus' story is all about for those who are living under Roman occupation in Judea. So, of course, we need to look at the context of 2nd Isaiah within the Babylonian exile, how the Assyrian Empire had subjugated the kingdom of Judah, and Judah had become a pawn in the war between Egypt and Babylon, and later Persia. And so we see defeat and destruction, politically, psychologically, and theologically. Now, all of this is really, really important information, but Let's go deeper. What are the people living in exile in Babylon and living in Roman-occupied Judea experiencing? So in Isaiah, we're looking at a people who had been defeated and humiliated, but they'd been forcibly marched out of their land, forced to not only give up all that they had and become enslaved, but to have their culture destroyed. Of course, one of the critical elements of their understanding of God is that God is tied to that land that they had given up to. They leave everything behind. Years go by, 
And for those hearing these words in Isaiah, many had never even seen Jerusalem or the temple. All they knew were stories that had been passed down from their elders. And so the trauma that they experienced is literally imposed upon their collective consciousness as a people. And so it's in this emotional context that we hear this poem of consolation from Isaiah. Just like the Exodus, God will deliver us. God will feed his flock and carry them in his bosom, protecting them and leading them gently. Not like the rulers of this broken world who crush the spirits of the poor, steal and hoard material wealth, and even enslave us. No, God will deliver us, and we shall mount up with wings like eagles. This, my friends, is hope. It's a hope that's more profound than what can be expected by people who are enslaved and broken. And how similar is that emotional context to that of Mark's audience? We could hear about the destruction of the temple, and intellectually that sounds like a momentous event, but let's just take a moment to think what that really meant to them. Roman occupation was brutal. And I think back to that description that Dr. Allen gave about how they built a ramp over the walls of Jerusalem and systematically destroyed not only the city, but the people within it. And that image is just burned into my mind. The other image of that charred layer of wood that still remains underneath the city some 2,000 years later. What a powerful and visceral image. And so the terror experienced by this population is unfathomable. And that's the context for Mark's narrative. This poem that evokes the sorrow and generational trauma of the exile, superimposed over the trauma that is the aftermath of the Jewish revolt. Powerful contextualization for his audience. Something that goes right to a place that I wonder is pretty difficult for us, if not impossible, to really understand in our modern context with all the privileges and freedoms that we experience today. But then we look around and we see the Rohingya, the Yazidi, the war in Syria, South Sudan. The truth is, despite our privilege and our wealth, we even see so much of this in our own country and that causes us to need to find hope too. Hope that me too will be a real step towards sexual assault being eliminated instead of something to sweep under the rug because a candidate shares one's political positions and we want to win at all costs. Hope that we can come together to eliminate gun violence and mass shootings instead of responding to the latest shootings with loosening restrictions for conceal and carry. Hope that we can eliminate homelessness and extreme poverty in our own country, or at least improve inequality, instead of continuing to systematically disenfranchise so many. Hope that we will finally face the racism and the hatred in our country and strive to respect the dignity and diversity of 
every human being. So I would say that we all need to find hope and meaning, and that need is universal to our human experience, even here in the land of the free. Hope and a divine compassion that we cannot earn and we dare not expect, yet is given freely from God. And John is preaching that hope, hope that can only be found in the divine. And so then we look at the rest of Isaiah 40 through the lens of the emotional state of the Israelites at that point in their exile. We can feel the depth of their hope through their despair and in light of our own despair. And that hope empowers us to take the next step. Because remember, this is the start of Mark's gospel. But it points us to the very end of the story. The end where the young man dressed in white provides those who enter the tomb with the instructions to tell his disciples that Jesus is out there and ahead of them. He's telling us this too. Go out. Tell those that we encounter. Jesus is out there. Hope is out there. The hope that only comes from God. The hope that is so profound that those who were exiled to Babylon for generations wept with joy and could find happiness and love again. So profound that those who witnessed the raising of Jerusalem, the destruction of the temple, not only the holiest site in Judaism, but the embodiment of their being with God. Even they could find courage and strength and the perseverance to walk the ends of human civilization to spread the news about Jesus. And so we're faced with the same question when we experience the evils that we experience in our own world, homelessness, abuse, extreme poverty, individuals and corporations that profit from drug addiction, and just the day-to-day injustices that seem to never end. We as a people who follow the God who has remained steadfast and faithful throughout recorded history, not only rely on that hope, but we're called to share that hope with those who experience these issues. We don't have to be John or Isaiah or feel like we're a prophet, but this message of hope needs to be shared. And as we see more and more ways in which Christianity is equated with the abuse of power and as a way to normalize hatred against minority communities, sharing this hope is our call the call to share this message that God has compassion and love for all of us, the message that we are called to love each other and live in relationships that are mutually life-giving, the message that while we're all broken and sinned, we are all invited to the table, and this message of hope that has come to us in our darkest hours many times before will continue to be experienced 
through us and for us. That message that unto us a child will be born, bearing this love and hope for the whole world. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit.